gentlemen, the show is about to start in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. You'll be fine on the mountain. Time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Built by the Barnuminium Company, served by Chicken Cock Whiskey, and part of the Chief Sports Network. Juice Wells, all the way, touchdown Gamecocks. Pressure, Patty just dives in. All right, greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Cinerama Studios and built by the Barn Dominium Co. The Barn Dominium Co.com or the Barndo Co. as they call it, where you can build your dream home for as low as $160 per square foot in the Carolinas and Georgia uh, or in Tennessee, of course. Cinerama, if you look over my shoulder, even though my big fat head is in the way, you can see the fine work that they do, and that's why they're the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics. Signorama.com to find Matt Vaughn's team in West Columbia. Mike Morgan is ahead, so is Chris Phillips, but it's Thursday, and that means we get right into it with our friend Perry Orth inside the playbook with the former quarterback at Carolina and Perry in 48 hours. We will all be uh, enjoying the final hour of college game day in the Queen City as they are set to go and preview the uh, big matchup between North Carolina and South Carolina on Saturday night. But this is it. There's nothing more that can be done, right, for the Gamecocks. It's time for walkthroughs, and it's time to kick off. Good morning, brother. Appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah, you're right. It, it's time. There's, uh, you know, you got final day of, of uh, you know, it's basically a, a glorified walkthrough. You know, you're going to be in helmets and shoulder pads or maybe just helmets today. And uh, you're basically just like a dress rehearsal if you're in the in the showbiz. So um, the guys are 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 they know what they're supposed to do. There's nothing new in. Uh, they're probably watching just a little bit of touch up film, which they'll they'll do tomorrow as well. And now you just gotta go out and play. Your preparation that you've done uh, basically since the beginning of spring ball has come to this moment. It's not a moment to be you know feel pressure or have anxiety or be nervous like get out there and fly around and play football right now now's the time to use all of the bs that you have to do as a college football player that we never talk about all the random 7 p.m meetings in the middle of the summer when you're out at the pool and you get the group text like oh my god you know um <laughs> all of that it, it's it's for right now it's for saturday night at seven o'clock and uh, it's a huge game there's a lot of kids that played with each other against each other in high school 
um, that will play um, on Saturday night. Um, It's obviously a big rivalry for both universities and great way just to, God, what a great way to kick off college football. Uh, JC, JB, and Phil here until 1 o'clock. Perry here until about 11.30 this morning. Um, Yeah, it is. It's it is it's the premier game of Saturday. I mean, you know, that's why college game day is there. Uh, Perry, this is I I, I, this sounds dramatic, but just go with it because, you know, me, I'm not really dramatic, but I'm going to be for a minute. This is the beginning of Spencer Rattler's moment. I mean, he 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 gets center stage on Saturday night for two reasons. Uh, One, because he's earned it. And two, because he's going up with a guy that is largely regarded as really the second best quarterback in college football behind Caleb Williams at Southern Cal. But some out there are arguing that he ultimately could end up, end up being the first QB selected in the draft. Spencer Rattler gets his shot to knock him off that perch, at least for a little while on Saturday night. If if people have done their homework, they'll maybe we'll see this on Saturday and game day. The end of the year last year, that was Spencer Rattler's time. It was not Drake Mays. He struggled to finish the season. So those two are going to go head to head. Uh, and and Perry, he can Spencer Rattler can begin to kind of rescript his career starting Saturday evening on ABC. Yeah, I think he did a great job of laying the groundwork at the end of last year. Um, we obviously struggled offensively to start, but you know the old adage: it's not how you start, it's how you finish, and. Uh, played great even in the bowl game loss, right? We were down some players, but you're right. I mean, he uh, has an opportunity to, um, you know, it's in his hands, right? It's it's up to he and his his team and his preparation for Saturday night. You know, you go back to 2019, Joe Burrow wasn't even a top 30 quarterback, right? And ended up going number one overall. He had a great team, had a lot of great weapons, great coordinator. Everything kind of came together. I'm not saying that. Spencer Rattler will have that type of a year, but I think the point I'm trying to make is, you know, he gets to compete and trust me, ESPN is going to do a phenomenal job of hyping up Drake May as, you know, the potential second, potential first top five overall pick. And, um, you know, we find a way to, to play really well and he's very efficient on offense, uh, throwing a a couple of nice um, explosive plays and, he'll start turning some heads, right? Then you just continue to stack it throughout the course of the season and you look up and he could, you know, he could easily end up as a, you know, top three round pick. So uh, really excited about uh, to see his development. All I've heard over the last two weeks is he's playing lights out. Yep. uh, Ready to take that next step of his career and uh, showtime Saturday night, college game day. Yeah, you know, you've probably um, you've probably heard as much, if not more, than than we all have collectively. I mean, they've they've really done. JC, you know, kind of want to lump you into this. JC, by the way, is in a hotel room uh, and in Charlotte, getting uh, getting things ready for the weekend. Um, but yeah, I mean, they they've been fairly tight lipped. You know, one of the one of the good things that that Shane has brought to this program since he has been the head coach is access. Uh, he allows his assistant coaches each week to get up there and talk, regardless of what there is to talk about. It might not be a lot of fun, but they'll get up there and face the music if necessary. And and right now, there's really not a lot of music to face. But I mean, with all yeah. that said, though, Perry, I mean, they people have, uh, and I say people, I, I mean our friends in the media, whom have 
kind of tried to pry and poke and figure out what is this offense? And, and they're really, you know, they're not saying much, but the only thing we kind of keep hearing, at least in drifts our way, you, you may have heard some more direct information is that Spencer Rattler looks fantastic. Yeah. Period. And I, I, I don't know how that doesn't bode well for Carolina football. I just, I I don't see it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm hearing the exact same things. I mean, he is, I don't know what, how old he is. I'm sure he's 22, maybe even 23 at this point. Um, he's been got more money. Playing, than Mary. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's playing, he's playing college football, like actually playing in games for the, you know, his fourth consecutive year. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. He has, he has played in a lot of football games. He, he should now have full reign over that offense. Um, he should have full reign over the team and um, with his ability. And again, the, the guys that you have on uh, on offense around him, you know, insert Trey Knox at tight end is a true tight end DK to really grind the inside um, juice wells and Leggett on the perimeter. Hmm. They're all there. It's all there for the taking. I mean, they, they, uh, you know, they're cap. They're really. I, I was saying this this morning. They're capable of 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 doing really whatever they want to do. I think this is the first time in a long time that we've, as fans, can look at their schedule and say like they can win every game on this schedule, right? We don't know what Georgia's going to look like, but they legitimately have the pieces to win every every game on the schedule. The other thing too is, anytime you return a quarterback and a head coach that had success in the previous year and they return in college football. I don't know the exact data. I'd love to look that up, but typically the following year is just as good, if not better than the previous year. Um, It's a really good point. I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to find some, some statistics on, on that right there because you know, you bring stability to your offense, you bring stability to your locker room, and then obviously from a head coach, you bring stability to your program. Mm-hmm. And in the, the direction that we were heading in after last season and the way they have just kind of built on that momentum through the offseason, you insert Dowell Loggins and a few other pieces on offense. A lot of hype right now, and justifiably so. And uh, like you said last week, man, I'm 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 ready to no longer talk about the hype. I'm ready to talk about the great <laughs> performance that they put on the field. Right. Like you said, they've been pretty close to the chest as far as camp, which historically means they're probably hiding something special, which I, I'm hopeful to uh, hopeful to see. Hey, uh, yeah. Oh, you played in some pretty fast. Right. JC, JC, your 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 audio is pretty muffled. Um, I'm not. It, there's there's an echo with a muffle, an echo and a muffle. You're you're doubled up here this morning. Okay, okay. Right, we, we, we tested earlier. Test earlier. See if you can, uh, yeah. See if you can recycle that for us, uh, Perry. I, I uh, and I agree with you too. I mean, I, I'm not sure. I don't think what you're getting at, just to be to be clear here to the fans, I, I don't think they're going to run out there with a with a bag of trick plays. That's not really what you're saying. Yeah. Um, it's it's more of a solid understanding of an offensive system 
that that has answers for problems, so to speak. Right. Um, yeah. You know, I, I asked yesterday, I asked Phil and JC this question. Maybe you have a better answer. Um, I, I just can't really remember one that just flat out didn't work. There's not been many, but former NFL offensive coordinators who become OCs at the collegiate level, how, how many of them just flat out failed? And I don't think there's a lot. It's, it's generally the other way around. You're an OC in college football. You go up and to the NFL and, and, and you get an opportunity. And some of that works out. Some of it doesn't. Didn't work out for Coach Spurrier um, and things like that. But it worked out for a couple of other guys. But, Perry, I, I just can't really list a guy who had extensive experience in calling plays in the league and then coming to college and, and it just not working. Can, can you think of anybody? No, I can't. I think you bring up a good point. You know, in the NFL, I mean, that's their job. Everybody's profession, those seven, eight hours a day that everybody's working, seven, eight hour, you know, nine hour days, it's all football. It's all breaking down film. It's all audibles, checks, signals, route, route changes, right? Route combos, right? You're going against, and then offensively, then on defensively, they're, they're doing the same thing on how to defend all of those different variations. Where in college, you have the 20-hour rule. You only get them a couple hours a day, right? You only get them, I think at max, it's three hours a day. You get an you know, hour meet, two-hour practice, and that's it. That's all you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the kids to, to really advance, they have to do it on their own. They have to get in there and meet with a GA. They have to go and draw up plays and go back into the film film room after hours after you know after class in the afternoon and they have to do the things that you know the majority of kids don't want to do if they really want to progress and so when you take that NFL mind and what he has learned at that level and you insert it into college I think that he's going to have um I think he's going to have a lot of success I think that whenever you um, you coach somewhere, you all, you always take your experience with you. I think it's a bit of a difference from going from head coach in college to head coach in, or a head coach in the NFL to head coach in college. Um, being a coordinator, because head coach is more program, administrative, figurehead, recruiting. Coordinators are football, right? They're, they're focused on con- concepts. They're focused on strategy. They're focused on script. So it's more of taking football knowledge. How do I take this knowledge that sits inside of my brain? Mm-hmm. How do I educate it and train the players that I have um, to go out and, and execute uh, basically the plays that are called? And um, so, you know, that ultimately is what what they look for. Um, you know, when a head coach is bringing down an offensive coordinator, you know, that that. That's what they're looking for, for, uh, you know, the experience. They're looking for the knowledge. They're looking for how are they going to make the calls when they need to. Um, and when you take the expertise that you have to have at that level and you bring it down to college, it it uh, it should, like you said, I, I'd be intrigued to, to, to do some research on that. It should, in theory, work out, but we'll see. How about we got you now, JC? It sounds better. Does this sound a little better? That sounds a lot better. Here you go. All right. I think on this particular set of heads, it has a microphone on these this headset, and I think I just needed to mute that. So, okay, uh, you guys can hear me better now, though. Yeah, just like Verizon Wireless. Generally, <laughs> can you can hear, hear me, me now? now? Thank yeah. God. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I was about to throw these things out of the window. Uh, all right, so what I was going to ask you earlier, would. you play with a lot of fast receivers. 
Uh, how much of an advantage is that as a quarterback to have guys that can run? Because you look at South Carolina, you know, we know Juice Wells can house it at any time, but Xavier Leggett's a 4-4 guy. Marion Brown's a 4-4 yeah. guy, low 4-4 guy. Yep. Uh, Eddie Lewis can run. Omega Blake, I was told by somebody the other day, like, don't think he's not fast. You know, he, he's, a, yeah. he's a fast kid. So how 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 important is speed across the board at that position? And by the way, Josh Simon and Trey Knox can run too. Uh, and, and how much does that help a quarterback? You know, particularly when you've had a good preseason and you have some. Obviously, he wouldn't have had a good preseason had he not developed some chemistry here. Uh, and you have that chemistry as far as you know hitting on some big plays. Maybe you don't normally do. Yeah, the, the two things that come to mind immediately are big plays, explosive plays, plays, you know, the yak yards, the yards after catch. Um, and then ultimately it's separation, right? If you're throwing, you know, if a guy can run, you're not going to put him on a go route or a post route every time. But even the basic curl routes, right, he sells vertical release, gets the defensive back to turn his hips, and he puts on the brakes, turns around. You have bigger windows to throw the football because – you know, the defensive backs are worried about getting beat over their head, right? That's everybody, you know, going from youth football to the NFL. They, they just hammer in your head. Do not get beat deep, especially in zone coverage, right? Man-to-man's a bit different, but when you're covering someone man-to-man and you have somebody that, you know, will outside, inside release, it doesn't really matter, but they start pushing vertically, you're turning and sprinting. But then now you're having to shadow what he does, which is a lot more difficult than simply running a route. So it provides separation in the routes that you throw. Bigger windows makes it easier on the quarterback so you don't have to put perfect throws every single time you're throwing pass routes, right? If you miss outside or inside on a curl route, you know like, hey, um, this ball's not going to get broken up because he had plenty of separation. And, and it's super important. I think the other thing too as a quarterback, and I'll tell you now as an offensive coordinator, Explosive plays take so much pressure off of an OC because you don't want to sit there and have to and have to make 70 play calls, 70 perfect play calls throughout the course of the game. That is really hard, right? You, you scheme up probably 30 or 40. Um, you really only have three or four that you go in like, hey, this is my like these are my home run plays. And when they don't hit and none of them are hitting and you're constantly having like two and three yard run game uh, run plays and you know, five and six yard completions. And you're having to have these long 15 play drives. Like, yeah, they're great. Fans love them. You're like, Oh, we're bleeding the clock and we're controlling the game. And you look at your play sheet and you're like, man, I'm running out of bag of tricks here. Right. Um, and it can become challenging. Right. Because then you go through the course of a game, you look back and you're like, man, if I had that one play call back, it would have been different. Well, when you're one play call, you know, is in the span of, you know, 40 plays and you've had five or six long touchdowns, it's a lot easier to be like, ah, you know, it's a bad play call, but it is what it is. But when you have, you know, 70 and you're just like incrementally moving the ball down the field, every play call really, really matters. Mm-hmm. And having fast receivers that can take the ball the distance, it helps kind of helps get, you know, sit back and relax a little bit, gives you a breath of fresh air knowing like I don't have to call a perfect game quarterback I don't have to make a perfect throw I don't have to get into the right play every time I have to simply just run the play that's called or as the OC I simply just have to stick to what I've prepped all week for for Saturday night 
and uh, it it certainly gives you a lot of breathing room. All right, Perry. Uh, here I'm going to ask you a question. It's really strictly opinion based, but it's certainly something that's on the minds of pretty much anybody and everybody who's uh, been anticipating seeing this this team play. What knowing what you know about you, you've already mentioned a, a couple of things about Spencer Rattler as long as he's yep. been a starting quarterback, and um, we, we know now. By the way, I think to carry on Joiner is the only player in the history of football. Period. Unless there was somebody back in the 1950s who has started at wide receiver, running back, and quarterback in their collegiate career. I, I just cannot imagine there's anybody mm-hmm. else out there, which is amazing. But knowing what you know, Perry, about about the running game now as it stands today, knowing what we know about Spencer Rattler, knowing what we know about Dow Loggins, uh, knowing what we know about Shane Beamer and what he has desired to achieve on offense, what do you think we're going to see? What type of offense do you think that this will be this weekend against North Carolina? And will that stay consistent throughout the season? Or do you predict something that might evolve a little bit more into something else? Yeah, I think all offenses evolve a little bit as seasons go along and as the season progresses. It's going to be a a true pro-style shotgun offense with lots of RPOs. Um, The one one question mark that I have that I'm really – intrigued to see is what type of passing game are we going to see um you know the nfl does a lot of zones i expect us to continue down the zone blocking um with a little bit of gap scheme a little power encounter which is obviously always good to have in an offense um i I like i like both both styles work hold on just a second say that one more time and just give us a little feedback on what, what that is and what that means well, yeah, so zone scheme is right. You're you're double teaming to the next level, right? You got your deuces and your trays, and you're blocking, hammering the offensive line together, right, hip to hip, and then whoever has the the path of least resistance will slip off to the next level. Wait for those linebackers to kind of fit, then they slip off, make contact, and it's a way where you just kind of get a hat on a hat, and and allowing the running back to kind of you know you'll have your keys, but then. Ultimately, you can hit it from all the way backside to all the way frontside, so it doesn't necessarily matter, right? You have your key, like I teach our guys, our running backs, right? You're reading the the play side uh, foot. I tell them cheek, but we'll say play side foot of the center, right? If the center's pushing and walling out, right, then you can bend that thing back, increase it on the backside C. Now, if he turns and hooks that guy or logs him, right, you can rip that thing frontside and you're off the, you know, you're out off out of the gate and, and you're rolling. Where a gap scheme is. It's true double teams is the the analogy of down, down, and around, right? You're blocking down, got double teams trying to get movement, working to the backside linebacker with two guys or a guy pulling, either trying to kick out a defensive end or wrap inside to hit a play side linebacker, right? So um, both both styles of running work really well, but um, it really depends upon your offensive line. You know, do you have the bodies? in zone to actually get movement on those double teams to make connection on the linebackers? Or are you going to get eaten up by one defensive lineman and not let those linebackers slip to the next or not let the linemen slip to the next level? When that happens, linebackers run free in their gaps and they blow up plays and you sit there and you're like, why are we not moving the ball in the run game? Well, if you, uh, if you can get some movement, get to the next level as a lineman, you're going to, you're going to explode in the zone run game. Um, the other thing too, is if you have an athletic quarterback that can run, you can do some zone reads. You can do a lot of RPOs out of the zone, um, running game. And, uh, it provides a lot of, uh, it, it forces a defense to be extremely sound 
from a gap perspective. Um, because if somebody's out of gap on a, on a zone scheme, we've all seen it where the running back kind of barely hits the hole and all of a sudden it looks like the parting of the Red Sea and the guy's running down the field wide open. Somebody was out of their gap, which caused that hole to kind of explode open. Um, so it really depends. I'll be intrigued to see um, what style they prefer instead of, um, you know, sticking to to one certain um, style of run. I guess we'll we'll wait and find out and see. And I think that will change as the season goes along. I mean, to, to be clear here, though, Perry, they have to run the football like they can't win without running the football under Shane. The Gamecocks are 11 and one when they run for 100 yards, not 150, not 125. No, mm -hmm. not 200, 100 yards. That's it. Get to 100 yards, get to 101 yards. They got a pretty damn good chance of winning. Um, yeah. So I, 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 you know, hearing, just listening to what you're saying is uh, it, it, it all meshes. It comes together. I, I, I think that there's a misconception at times, and I'll pass this the baton back to you, that when they hear that Brad Crawford, our friend at 24-7 Sports, has predicted Carolina will throw the football roughly 65% of the time this year. I don't know if that's true or not. They might. They might. Who knows? But it doesn't mean that it should be at the expense of running the football. Like They have got to find ways, even if they, even if they do only run it three out of every ten plays, Barry, they still have to right, be able to gain yardage running yeah. the football and and if they can't it's going to be a long year but so far it sounds like so good yeah i'll, I'll i want to read you guys a couple statistics I'm, are you guys all familiar with what chat gpt is in the ai you understand kind of that concept i heard that in the republican debate for the first time last week yes <laughs> yeah well it ai is basically just open <laughs> apis and it takes in all of the information that's across the internet right it doesn't matter if it's uh, you know google chrome edge platform doesn't matter the platform it 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 captures all of the information it can shoot information right back to you anyway back in the spring as we were prepping at cardinal newman for our upcoming season i was intrigued to and i'm a huge numbers guy i love statistics i love numbers i love kind of coming up with any little advantage kind of like what um, you know how Lane Kiffin kind of has that book, like based off percentages, I'll know if I need to go for it on fourth down or not. So I created myself my own version of something like that. But I want to read you some some stats because it has to do with what you were just talking about. So basically, it goes down uh, just five percentages um, that help, or if you are on that side of 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 the line you have an X amount of percentage of winning a football game. So, for instance, when you score a non-offensive touchdown, which is obviously defense or special teams, mm -hmm. uh, you have an 86% chance of winning the game. When you win the turnover margin in a game, you have a 78% chance of winning the game. Wow. Um, when you win the third down conversion percentage of over your opponent, which this I thought this was really intriguing. So if you convert better on third down than your opponent, you have a 75% chance of winning a game. And here's here's the, the last one that I'll share because there's a couple others. But if you win the rushing battle, you win the game 73% of the time. So score a non-offensive touchdown. Special teams, I check. Beamer ball, check. 
right? Then you've got um, better third down percentage. Uh, turnover Sorry, margin is the one I missed. You got non-offensive touchdown, turnover margin, convert on third down, and run the football well. If you do those four things, it's like a 99.999% chance to win. If you score an offensive touchdown and you win the rushing battle, you're going to win 90-some-odd percent of the time. You've got to do two of those four things, and you've got a 90% chance wow. of winning, winning football games. And that is what we hammer our kids at Cardinal Newman every single day. And we're 2-0 and right now. We've scored a non-offensive touchdown in each game. We've won the turnover margin. We've won the rushing battle. And we've, run, we've, uh, we've won the third down conversion percentage. So uh, that's our goal. If, if, and I want you to, if, if you need me to email those to you guys so you guys can look at. I got them. Um, but, I mean, send it to me. When, I'd love to see it. When you're, watching, when you're watching the games, just keep that in your, truly keep it in your back pocket. And after the game, yeah. look at the evaluate and then just play a percentage game. Right? It doesn't mean you're going to win 100% of the time. But the as they say in the Hunger Games, the odds are ever in your favor. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna laminate a little card and shove it in my wallet, like Perry's for you know Perry's winning formula or something like that. So JC <laughs> and Phil, just kind of an FYI, uh, moving forward, starting tomorrow uh, through you know the end of November when we have our preview show for the for the ball game and you asked me what are my what are my uh, keys to the game well these are my four keys every week so you can't have them neither one of you get to have them these are my four keys all the way in through the clemson game um that's i mean but you know that's you know what when you say it though it sounds so simple it's like well yeah that that makes a lot of sense, you know, because if you don't do those things, you're probably going to get your brains beat in. And based off of those four things, that's why I'm so high on this team. If my question mark is the rushing battle, but right, that, that does, that that's stopping the run and running the ball. Well, right. Do ha, that. That's my, we, we play efficiently. We take care of the ball. We normally win the turnover battle. We're great on special teams. That fourth key is my key for this 2023 Gamecock team. How do we stop the run, run the football? That will tell us how we have, that'll tell us our outcome this season. I know that sounds cliche, but based off those statistics, those first three, we have done exceptionally well under Coach Beamer and Coach White um, on, on defense, right? But if we cannot run the football well and stop the run, we're, we're going to have to unfortunately uh, be in, in, in battle, just battles every single game. But if we, we can, Find a way to win those four each and every game. We're going to really, really like the end result come November. Do I dare ask you if you're brave enough to make a prediction for the game this weekend, or do you want to sidestep that? No, I'm ready. 38-34 Gamecocks. Oh, a, g- a good one. You're going 38-34. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's our with, second. I told I told you guys that I work out with Coach White in the morning. Uh, yeah, times a week. He's been there this this week. So I told him I was proud of him. He said and he he uh, he said that he historically does not work out during football season, but he's going to try to keep it rolling. But I told him about two weeks ago, I said, Drake May is going to throw him two. We're getting two interceptions on Saturday. You can take it to the bank. Yeah, Marcellus you know, Dial is going to get one of those. He 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 told me he's going to have at least five this season. So he's going to have to get go. one on Saturday. I like I like two interceptions that cost. Um, North Carolina possession 
one that's going to really bite them in the ass. Um, and uh, I expect our offense to kind of just click. Um, and uh, I don't know, you know, pass run game, but um, I, I'm not sold on North Carolina's defense. I think that yeah. uh, we're, we're in a uh, we're in a prime position to to kick this thing off. And we normally handle business against them. I know we dropped the ball in 2019, but uh, for some reason, we just always find a way to play to play well against North Carolina. Yeah, even in that game, Terry, they're twenty to nine in the fourth quarter and recovered the ball at their forty-five. I mean, yep, the score there. I mean, you know, like somebody after that game said, as bad as the day went overall for Carolina, they probably yeah. should have still won the game. So, so. Well, like, like. Uh, I think the difference in coaching philosophies is I think Beamer has showed that when he has that moment, he goes for the, he goes for the jugular, he goes for the step on their neck and let's end it. Whereas before we were more of let's play safe and let's just win the game. Um, so I think that methodology of coaching in that game wins us that football game, probably what 27 to 15 or 16, 15. Yeah, Hey, uh, who do you, who do y'all play tonight? Yeah, it's a it's get, kind of reverted back to its old. I think it needs something to drink. I know you have something in that room there, uh, Perry. Who do y'all play tomorrow night? Cardinal. Newman. Oddly enough, we're we're off. We have a bye. So oh, okay. I am. Uh, I'm I'm probably gonna go hit the golf, hit the golf ball a little bit, and uh, take the edge off. Have a channel my inner spur go hit hit the golf ball and then have a few cores heavy watch some <laughs> some high school and college football so <laughs> well yeah and this that and the other yeah 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 get away from it for a little while boys go there and he'd have been proud bridges. of me last week i uh he'd have been really proud next time i see him i'm gonna tell him this so before our game i rushed out played a quick nine swung it well Left, coached the ball game, scored fifty-five points, and then had a nice cores heavy to celebrate after. He'd have been all right. I mean, he would have just two thumbs up, pat on the back, say, "Yep, good job, Perry. Talk well, you well, <laughs> Perry. See, things are going well for you. Still yeah. can't throw it worth a damn, but you know, yeah, it's, it's all right. Yeah, not not bad for a walk on. Yep, <laughs> Perry. I hope uh, you're right. I hope actually, I hope you're wrong. I hope it's thirty-eight to nothing. But if it's thirty-eight to yeah. thirty-four, we'll take that to one and oh is one and oh uh, you just never know that first weekend of the year enjoy it starting tonight it's five straight nights of college football labor day weekend college football returns here in 2023 man so excited and can't wait to talk to you again next week going into the Furman game hopefully in the top 25 be great see you guys there you go former quarterback at south carolina perry orth we are served by the best daggum whiskey i've ever had Chicken Cock Whiskey, chickencockwhiskey.com. A lot of you have already reached out and gone and gotten some, and you've posted those photos in our app, and we just cannot thank you enough. It is that good, and we know it, and we thank you for enjoying that with us. Quick timeout when we return Chris Phillips with the Spurs Up show here on Inside the Gamecocks. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance 
insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Nana's Porch, nanasporch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style. In seconds, they're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nana'sPorch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. If you're on Medicare currently or approaching eligibility, it's time to enroll in the Medicare plan that meets your needs. Palmetto Medicare is here to help you through the process. Palmetto Medicare's owner, Brian Spencer, and his team of experts are here to assist you. Learn about the benefits and enroll in the plan that will cover as many of your medical costs as possible. Some of the advantages of Medicare health plans may include variety of plan choices, increased benefits, lower premiums, and more. Give Palmetto Medicare a call to discuss your insurance and help get the exact coverage for your needs today. Thirty-seven final day of the month of August and the first of five straight days of college football. Chris Phillips with the Spurs Up show joins us. It is game week. Chris, you're back from Montana. Hope you had a just an amazing trip out there. And uh, now it's time to kick off the best time of the year. It has finally arrived. JB, Phil, appreciate you guys having me on. And JB, I figured out what you were saying two weeks ago when you said when you go to Montana, you see everything while seeing nothing. I think I have a greater understanding of what you meant by that. It was a (laughs) great time. It's an experience you certainly cannot simulate. You know, we went to Glacier National Park and I mean, seeing I've been in the mountains, but I've never been to the mountains mountains until now. It was a good time. It was a great time to detach and relax and really put the off season if you will to bed but so excited man this week all week long we've been talking South Carolina North Carolina and actually getting into actual ball games I'm, I'm even pumped tonight man Florida Utah Missouri yeah. plays we got some other action tomorrow as well and then of course on Saturday five days straight of college football man just so pumped we finally made it uh, I saw somebody on Twitter a little while ago predicting tonight's Florida Utah game to be a good one uh wait a second Florida, who traditionally scores a lot of points. Utah in the Pac-12, who traditionally scores a lot of points. You'd think, oh, yeah, 43-and-a-half is the over-under in that game. I don't think it's going to be a good game. It's going to be ugly, um, and we will uh, get into some of that a little bit later on. Um, Chris, Perry Orth just uh, made a 38-34 prediction in favor of South Carolina. Not a shocker that former quarterback for the Gamecocks would pick up to win a game uh, this coming weekend. But the 38-34 number, uh, 34 points for the Tar Heels, Mm -hmm. I think it's fair to say regardless of what the outcome is this weekend, we should all expect that they will at some point in time put some points on the board. It's just a matter of can Carolina do the same. Yeah, I'm actually taking the under, guys, in this game. I think it'll be a little bit lower scoring than most folks expect, and I'm certainly not saying it's going to be some sort of defensive slugfest or anything like that, but – 
You know, I think anytime you go into a week one, there's a lot of uncertainty, right? And you look at both these teams, they're eerily similar to each other, in my opinion. You look offensively, two quarterbacks at the ceilings are extremely high, but can be inconsistent at times. Two questionable offensive fronts, two questionable running games. You look, <coughs> excuse me, you look at the wide receiver position, no mm-hmm. Tez Walker, most likely for UNC. Juice Wells is playing, but is he 110%? What's the status? And then outside of him, who's going to step up and emerge? As a playmaker, all that being said, I could just see this game getting off to somewhat of a slower start. And and also, guys, I trust South Carolina's defense. Like, I I don't think Drake May is going off for 350 or 400 yards or something crazy like that. And certainly, if they can't run the football, it's going to put a lot of pressure on him. I like South Carolina in the trenches in this game. I know they have question marks there, but I'm not sure that UNC really – you know, has the bodies to make South Carolina, you know, expose any potential deficiencies. Or I think this is a much more favorable matchup than maybe South Carolina will see once we get into SEC play. So, you know, I, I think it's a game that could be a, a 30 to 24, you know, 34 to 28 type of score. But guys, you're telling me this 35 to 28, that hits the under on that over under 64, 64 and a half, whatever you get. You're telling me I get nine touchdowns. And I still win the bet. I would take the under guys. I'll lock in my prediction tomorrow on our show. Yeah. But I'll say this, you know, late, you know, earlier in the summer, I picked South Carolina 31 to 27. Not much has really changed since then, if that kind of gives you any idea. So I, I do think it's a coin flip game. I think it's going to be a fantastic ball game and can't wait to watch it Saturday night. We are served by Chicken Cock Whiskey <laughs> here on Inside the Game Cox, the show. It is time to celebrate, hopefully on uh, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday if South Carolina wins. Celebrate with Chicken Cock and make sure you take a picture of the bottle and upload it into our app. We will be sending gifts out to those that do that. Phil, I think you had a question. Go ahead, brother. No, I was just going to kind of build off of that. I got a lot going on back here, so that's good. Uh, (laughs) Build off of the um, kind of thought that we, we were seeing now, I think, in the past couple of weeks, what's been coming out, Chris, is a lot of people are finally starting to come around to the thought that people are sleeping on the South Carolina defense. Mm. Uh, and I think that the South Carolina brings a, a solid defense more so than, you know, compared to expectations into their Saturday and accompany that with the new clock rules. And I agree with you on the under completely. Uh, and I just think that, you know, it's – I think a lot of people are going to lose money on overs in week one, and, and <laughs> Vegas might lose some in, in, you know, people betting unders. <laughs> yeah, I think the the over – the only over I really feel confident on that I'm playing this week is Tennessee and Virginia, just because I think Tennessee and Joe Milton and Josh Heupel, they're going to want to start the season with a bang and sort of make a point. And I don't remember the last time Tennessee played significant defense. So I wouldn't be surprised. I think the number in that one's 54 or 56. I think the over hits there. But, you know, guys, for South Carolina defensively in this one, I I do agree that, again, I I think that South Carolina's defense isn't getting quite enough credit. But the big thing is they've just got to slow down the run in this game. If they can make UNC – remotely one-dimensional. And again, we talked to Andrew Jones of Tar Heel Illustrated earlier this summer, and he mentioned, you know, the running back room. They've got as many questions, if not more, than South Carolina in that room. They've got capable bodies, but they don't really know who their RB1 is. And you look at their offensive line last year, again, very similar to South Carolina. Their sack rate was one of the worst in college football. They had a tough time getting any sort of run push. And, I mean, guys, those numbers were in the ACC. And and the ACC is a good conference. Don't get it wrong. But we all know you're not facing these SEC defensive lines in that conference on a week-in, week-out basis. So, you know, if they can put the game on Drake May, and again, Andrew Jones, that conversation he mentioned, 
he made it very clear. He felt like for UNC to win this game, Drake May had to play, probably throw for 350. Like, he had to put the game on his shoulders and put the team on his back. And, you know, if you're telling me that's what he has to do and I have to pick Drake May or South Carolina secondary, I know you're breaking in a pair of new corners, but these aren't true freshmen. These are guys who have played, and they've played good football for you. And then you've got Nick Emanwari and DQ Smith in the back end. I'll roll the dice and take my chances with South Carolina secondary if you're getting UNC in third and longs and they can't run the football on early downs and you're really just having to put it on Drake May. If South Carolina's defense knows that you have to pass, again, I'll put my faith in that secondary to make a play a time or two. You know, I, I'm I'm a believer in this defense, um, and I'm probably one of the few out there. I, I know, I, I know that it's that time of the year where we all kind of starting to make predictions and this, that, and the other. But, um, you know, Chris, I I, I like the staff. Uh, I like Clayton White. I like uh, Travian Robertson. Um, I think Torian Gray is probably the best defensive backs coach in college football. Seriously, uh, and that's not hyperbole. It's true, um, and I and I think that this defense is they're just tired of hearing it, and they know why they hear it because the last couple of years. I mean, if I look, dude, hey, let's just be honest here. Whether you're a fan of the star system or not, Chris, they started two five stars on the defensive line last year and gave up two hundred rushing yards a game. That's atrocious. They got to be better. And um, and I think that they've spent a large majority of this offseason making these guys understand that that's kind of the laughing stock of the football team. Mm. Yeah, you got to stop the run to have any shot to win significantly. I mean, you look at Shane Beamer's first two years, guys. It's it's extremely impressive and almost hard to believe they've won as many games as they have while being so porous against the run. But like you mentioned, they've heard that all offseason. I'm so excited to see Travian Robertson's immediate impact in this one because – you know, he, he's going to take a lot of what he learned from the late, great Brad Lawing. And again, guys, you know, I was able to talk with him and listening to him talk about pass rush specifically. I never knew how much of a science that it is, but it truly is. It's not as simple as just pin your ears back and go get the quarterback with stunts and twists and how you play an offensive line and how you maneuver and pain points on the body, you know, learning about that as well. So I'm just so excited to see if Travian Robertson can take the pieces he has and what he can do with those, you know, how they attack Drake May. Obviously, that's going to be a key. You've got to slow down the run. Elijah Green's a, a player, you know, one of my key matchups in this game, I think, is Tonka Hemingway against Elijah Green and clogging up the middle and, again, winning on those early downs to get them in those obvious passing situations on third down. But how do you Drake, make Drake May uncomfortable? You know, I think the loss of JT Gear mm-hmm. for South Carolina, most likely, right, he's not going to play. That's a significant loss. But Jordan Strawn off the edge, Brian Thomas Jr., Tyreek Johnson, Terrell Dawkins, whoever it is, what do they scheme up to get after Drake May? Because you got to account for his running ability as well, guys. He was UNC's leading rusher last year, or he's the leading returning rusher for them, almost had 700 yards. So he can get outside of the pocket, he can make plays, and when that happens, guys, he keeps his eyes downfield. And that's where you can really get in trouble. So I- I'm just curious how they attack Drake May, but I agree with you, J- JB, that I think they're tired of hearing about it too. Um, you know, I-, I think that we've heard all offseason about the run defense and stopping the run, and I, I think they'll make that – really priority number one this year because if you can do that I think you feel like you have the athletes in the secondary to it's not always going to be perfect sure I mean welcome to the new age of college football right points are going to be scored but you've got enough in the back end of your defense to win at a high level if you can just slow down the run game if you finish if you told me right now South Carolina finishes top half of the league in rushing defense I'd say there's a really really good chance you match last year's win total if not exceed it because I think the defense will take 
that much of a step forward. So um, how they attack Drake May, the early impact of Travion Robertson, I'm really excited to see that because, again, with South Carolina's defensive line put in the best positions to make possible plays and maximize their talent over the last couple of years, I'm not sure that's the case. But I think Travion Robertson will fix that. And also, guys, stopping the run an improved linebacker room. I'm very excited to see how they fly around on Saturday night and the type of impact they make. Chris Phillips, Spurs Up show, 1148 inside the Gamecocks, the show here. We are powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston, electricbikescharleston.com. Defense, let's talk about the Tar Heels defense, Chris. I, I, I don't know what it'll look like in the second quarter or the third quarter. Or the fourth quarter, but I highly anticipate, and I mean really highly anticipate, with five starters on South Carolina's offensive line, either new, period, to the football team, or new to the position, they will be sending pressure, and lots and lots of it, to figure out how much of these guys figured each other out first before they started trying to figure us out. Do you agree or disagree with that? Oh, I would absolutely agree. I mean, why would you not do that if you're North Carolina? And again, these teams are eerily similar, so I expect South Carolina guys to do the same thing. And I I think both of these teams will be aggressive, right? Both of these teams will be on the attack. I I, I know it's the season opener and you want to, you know, let's focus on the fundamentals and no sloppy play. But at the same time, this is prime time. you got to go out and go win this game. Don't play to not lose it, right? So I I think UNC certainly – I think watching the film, I think most defenses are going to want to attack Spencer Rattler and just see, okay, is this guy going to be more of what he was first 10 games of last year or the final three? I know we've beaten that in the ground all offseason, but it's it's just the reality because Spencer Rattler's a gunslinger, and at times he makes the brilliant throw, and at times he makes the not-so-brilliant throw or the dangerous throw that can cost you. So I, I think Gene Chizik and UNC, and also, JB, when you're a defense that, you know, at baseline, you're probably not very good. Let, let's just call it for what it is. I, I know their defense is tired of hearing it too, right? But they were abysmal last season. Like in every aspect, they didn't do anything well. At least South Carolina, you hang your hat on, okay, well, the secondary is a strength. It's this one thing we have to fix. They didn't do anything, guys. They didn't do anything well, except get better throughout last season. I'll give them that. But they were atrocious at all levels. So I think for UNC, how do you mask that? Well, you try to make chaotic plays. You try to force South Carolina into situations where Spencer Rattler is uncomfortable or he's forcing a ball into coverage or he's doing something uncharacteristic, if you will. Um, I think certainly they want to test the South Carolina offensive line. How do you combat that if you're Dowell Loggins? What is this offense going to look like? I think those those short throws, those screens, doing things to keep the defense off balance. You've got the carry on Joyner right next to you that was a former quarterback as well. Do they do some things to, again, keep the defense on their heels? There's ways to make a defense pay for pressure. But, guys, I expect South Carolina to be very aggressive offensively. I mean, above all else, we can talk about – Do you want to see 60-40 pass to run or vice versa or this, that? I just want to see South Carolina be aggressive because I felt like one of the the, the reasons they had such success end of last year was, and I'll say this on the airwaves, you know, to refer to Cam Smith, they dropped their nuts. You know what I mean? South Carolina played with nothing to lose, man. It's just, I think this program, this team, they, they, things work out much better when you play aggressively and you play with that nothing to lose mentality within reason, right? You don't want to play, you know, outside of yourself and make dumb plays and dumb decisions and get away from the fundamentals, but controlled chaos. That's what I most want to see from South Carolina. If they're going to give you one-on-one on on your receivers, Xavier Leggett, Juice Wells, 
I say, why not take a shot? Our guy will beat your guy, right? I, I think that's the mentality you roll with. So I'm excited to see it, guys. I, I think, though, both defenses have felt the disrespect. I think UNC and Eugene Chizik will do all they can to be the aggressor. But I think South Carolina has the talent and the pieces to combat that. But certainly, that offensive line will be getting a test in week one. I don't want to ask you about a prediction. You have your own show to give that on, so we'll respect that, certainly. But um, uh, a couple of keys to the game, Chris. And final question is, um, if if whomever loses this ball game, is the impact of that loss as big as it seems right now, or is it likely maybe a little bit less uh, just because we haven't played a game yet? Well, JB and Phil, I'll start with those keys of the game. You know, we already mentioned, I think you've got to disrupt Drake May. That That's number one. You've got to get him. You know, JB, I compare it to, and you'll like this comparison, to a starting pitcher, right? A lot of guys, big-time guys. Because Drake May, let's make it very clear, he's a dude. He's a big-time guy. Yeah. And when you face a big-time guy, you better get him early, right? Get him in the first inning, right? Get him before he's settled in. Because once those guys settle in and they get in their rhythm, it's it's typically pretty hard to get them out of that, right? I mean, look at Spencer Rattler against Tennessee. Look at him. I know Clemson, he overcame a slow start, but most of the time when guys can get it going early and build confidence and they've got that level of talent and that level of, uh, you know, their ceiling is what it is, hard to knock them out of that. So I think early on, you cannot let Drake May settle in and get comfortable. The second, I just talked about be the aggressor offensively. Above all else, with Dowell Loggins, what the, what's the offense going to look like? I just want to see South Carolina be aggressive and be on the attack early. But, guys, one of the other big ones, you know, winning the red zone. You know, we hate talking about bend but don't break, and it become, it can become very exhausting as a fan, right, to, to watch the opponent go up and down the field and South Carolina buckle down in the 20s. But, you know, UNC is going to get theirs, man. They've, they've got down to players offensively. But you look at last year, they were not very good in the red zone. They finished 108th in rushing or 108th in scoring and 122nd in rushing in the red zone specifically. So there were times they struggled there. And, guys, we all remember Coach Spurrier – you kick field goals, you lose ball games. And so South Carolina, <laughs> that, that's a victory if you can hold them to three, I think. In a game where, you know, everybody's expecting these teams to go up and down the field, if you're able to, when you have the football, capitalize and get six and not have to settle for three, and when UNC gets in the red zone, you buckle up and, you know, your defensive line, you know, rises to the occasion and you clamp down and you have to hold them to field goals, I think that absolutely could be the difference between winning and losing in a tight ball game like this. Uh, in regards to your question, JB and Phil, about the the impact of the game, you know, I, I months ago went against the narrative that this was the the most important game of the season or a make or break game for South Carolina schedule, but it's a big game, guys. I even mentioned earlier this week, I think it's a bigger game for North Carolina because, and here's what I mean by that, and I, I want to make it clear to everybody, I'm not saying it's not a huge game for South Carolina because it is. We all want to win this game. Uh, it's a tone setter for sure, but. If South Carolina loses, guys, if they go beat Georgia two weeks later, nobody's going to care about the UNC game anymore. Even if they just go beat Tennessee. Like, there are games in the SEC slate that can get your season back on track. You can hit eight wins. You can match last year's win. So it'll be much tougher, but you can do it. Who does UNC play that if they lose this game, they could beat and people are going to be like, oh, yeah, UNC's legit. They've got Clemson the second to last week of the season. They've got Miami October 14th. I mean, outside of that, an ACC slate doesn't provide the opportunities that a SEC slate like South Carolina has. So to answer your question, JB, 
In the short term, I think it'll feel like the sky is falling. It's the end of the world because what it'll do, JB, is it'll completely reset expectations that fans had in the preseason, at least those who set out these nine or ten win expectations, which I respect all predictions, but to be fair, I think it's a little bit aggressive and a little bit, you know, overzealous, if you will, in the offseason. But, you know, it, it won't destroy your season in the long term if you lose, right? Because, again, if you beat a Tennessee on the road, if you beat Mizzou, let's say you steal one from A&M again, you can get back, you can get to a seven-win season and even an eight-win season, if you will. And we've seen Shane Beamer's teams catch fire late in the year. And, you know, guys, last year I said Mizzou was the game. You couldn't lose and have a successful season. And sure enough, guess what? You lost it. And then you beat Tennessee and Clemson and you salvaged your year and you had a successful year for sure. So it's not a make or break for success, but it's a huge game, guys. I think it's one of those games that if you want to continue to elevate the program and elevate the program from a national perspective, I think it's one you do need to win. And I think it sets the tone for 2023. Well, they're going to certainly go up there and give it everything they've got. We know that. And there will be a lot of Gamecocks doing the same thing. Yep, starting. Go, go pitch around a little bit, see what happens. He plays some defense. Yep. Yep. Yeah, you know, this happened. You know, we're going we're to see what we can do up there. I, I, I'd love Georgia Shane Beamer to walk to midfield and tell Mac Brown, like, well, Mac, you know, we're going to score 50. You got to score 51 to beat us. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, <laughs> look, man, you know, it's, uh, this, is, this is what it's all about here. Thank you. You know, sure do love coming up here and beating, beating you boys. Yeah, he's uh, one of a kind, Steve Spurrier. Uh, can't wait to get to Charlotte. Uh, really good stuff. Uh, I know your show's coming up here in just a minute, Chris, and um, and and we know we'll, we'll get your predictions and things like that tomorrow for the game this weekend. So finish strong starting tonight, five straight nights of college football for all of us to enjoy on national television. That's finally <laughs> – we made it. God. We made it, boys. Hey, this time next week, we'll be reacting to games instead of previewing yeah. and previewing yeah. and previewing, et cetera. So, instead of running in circles, that's for sure. But, uh, the uh, Carolina game this weekend, by the way, is uh, getting pretty darn close to a sellout, as a matter of fact. So should be a lot of fun. Chris, have a wonderful weekend. Pull them through. JB, Phil, appreciate you guys. We'll talk soon. Thank you. There you go. Thanks, Chris Phillips with the Spurs up show. We have got to hit a timeout. We are – Headed to Mike Morgan when we return Power Hour with the true talent around here. Hang tight. Inside the Gamecocks, the show teed up by TravelingCountryClub.com. Did you step outside this morning? The hurricane blows through. Cooler air. Perfect timing for college football. I know you want to play golf in it. You want to play with TravelingCountryClub.com. 45 courses to play in the Carolinas from the mountains to the seas. We'll be right back. Down here in the south, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say. And so does the Barndo Company. 
where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock. Owned and operated. Hey, everybody. This is Mo Coppola from Carolina Football. The show is painted garden and black every day by a couple of painters. Go to letmepaintsomething.com to check them out. Go Cox. 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. Letmepaintsomething.com. Welcome to TravelingCountryClub.com, your modern golf club experience. Hey folks, this is Michael Manus, former Gamecock golfer, inviting you to play more golf with a membership to TravelingCountryClub.com. With over 40 courses across the Carolinas, our membership provides you with an affordable way to enjoy a club-like golf experience. From the mountains to the coast, we offer golf courses that will challenge all types of golfers, no matter your handicap level or level of play. Plus, we offer unique membership benefits not seen anywhere else as part of Traveling Country Club. Tee it up with Traveling Country Club, TravelingCountryClub.com, TravelingCountryClub.com, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Coach O here, and when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight out the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well, and they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online. Nanasports.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast. The char level. We use a number three level char. If you char too deep, you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, 
you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. Brady settles in the pocket, launches one deep down the field, wide open at the 15, 10, 5, touchdown. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. It's time for Power Hour with Mike Morgan on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Looking deep downfield, rolling out, throws it up in the air, and it is caught. Touchdown, Troy Williamson. What a catch. Saturday evening here in Bluegrass Country. Ahead to Buckman. Slam City for Ronaldo. Buckman, the 20, 10, 5. Touchdown. To Frederick. Frederick. Lays it in at the buzzer. That's a win. Unbelievable. I don't believe it. Who started with one? Pull up three. Good if it goes. He got it. He got it. He got it. Carolina wins. Havens gets it high and deep to right. We'll see you at Hoover. Welcome back in, everybody. Golden tones of Mike Morgan heralded another power hour for the week. Welcome in, Mike. Phil, how are you? I I see. There we go. Hey, oh, there. Are, are we are we going? Is it me and you? <laughs> Apparently, right now, I, where it's just us. I, mean, I know it's, it's cut down day in the NFL. Uh, <laughs> Are we slimming the yeah. rosters down here one by one? It's like a game that's of survivor. Right, right. Whoever's on the island last, uh, you know, wins the cash and prizes. Yeah, yeah. Congrats. We uh we've made it this far. Hopefully, uh hopefully the other two will vote for us. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, it's a good that's a good thing because we got a deep roster. So yeah, this is the benefit true. of having a deep roster. You know, you you never know. There could be a situation on Saturday, knock on wood, it won't, but now, what if Spencer Rattler takes a rough hit? Well, then next next man up, you know, you've 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 got a backup who has started games before, who's been there. Uh, yeah. Depth is an important part of stuff. Uh, in all seriousness, I caught a, a bit of the um, Perry Orth interviews. Really good, really good stuff. Um, love that the love the guest lineup that you guys have uh, compiled day in day out, week in week out here on the show. So. Uh, I've enjoyed listening, and I know, like a lot of people watching right now, just jazzed about the start of the season. You know, you got two. Uh, well, I would say one good game. I can't get too juiced about the uh, the Minnesota matchup, um, but I I am juiced about the Florida Utah game. That was a really good game last year. Uh, mm-hmm. I wish Cam Rising was playing. I think that would add an element. Uh, certainly he's he's a really good college quarterback. I don't know if Cam Rising is ever going to see the light of day in the NFL. I don't care. Um, but I do know one thing. He's a really good college quarterback. But they were kind of being cute with that injury report, saying, well, he's questionable. 
he just had a, he just tore an ACL in the bowl game. He wasn't he wasn't going to play in week one, uh, no. so he's not there yet. But that's okay. He uh, Utah's still a good team, and and Florida. Look, this is not just a game. They this is not just a season in year two of Billy Napier. Um, you lose that game, and it, it it just it. I've seen this happen at places like Auburn, like Ten- like South Carolina. I mean, when you've got a coach that some people aren't entirely sure about, and then you're you're not you're coming off a disappointing season, in this case, a couple of disappointing years, and then all of a sudden you lose week one, and like it's not fair that you should all of a sudden be questioning whether the guy is, is the right hire or whether the guy can coach at this level, but it's reality. And, and then it just, it just feeds on itself. I've covered enough of these things or I've been in, I've had to meet with coaches and coaches meetings when everybody knows, like it's almost done. Like I remember Brett Bielema at Arkansas. I had him against coastal Carolina. They barely wanted to, they had to come from behind the fourth quarter to win the game. A couple weeks later, he was fired. He knew he was about to get gassed. Same thing with Ed Orgeron at LSU two years ago. He knew it. He was laughing about it because he kept telling us how big his buyout was. <laughs> well, he was about <laughs> getting fired. He wasn't worried at all. But I've seen it, and and it really, it, it's the ultimate snowball scenario. And there's going to be some coaches like that. Neil Brown at West Virginia. I mean, they're. I'm thinking about the SEC. How many coaches would truly be on the hot seat? this year and i don't know guys i'm not sure if there is one in the sec in the sec truly in general getting fired because there's been so much turnover that the guys that were on the hot seat have already been axed i i think that there are two that that absolutely could be fired depending if it goes bad how bad does it go i Mm. i i disagree with something you've said before although you're not wrong Mm. in the fact that it's ridiculous but I, if if it if they don't get to a bowl game, I I find it really difficult to believe that Florida is going to continue to employ Billy Napier. Yeah, um, just under I I think that's insane. I do. But it it used to be I, unheard of, Jamie. Now yeah. we've seen it. Yeah, I, I I absolutely think that they there's because here's the thing, Mike. If, if that's one, I'm going to get to the other one in just a second because contracts mean nothing anymore. Um, oh, that one's mine. If, if uh if <laughs> if they go 5 and 7 if the gators go 5 and 7 more than likely they have lost to teams named tennessee south carolina kentucky maybe again vanderbilt like could you imagine if florida lost to back to back years to vanderbilt like they have to lose to a lot of teams that they are higher in the pecking order than in order to lose seven ball games and Florida fans are going to they'll accept the loss to a top 10 Tennessee type program they won't accept it but they'll deal with it right Mike you know that as well as anybody mm-hmm. they won't accept back to back to back three straight losses to teams named Kentucky they won't accept back to back losses to Vanderbilt they won't accept another loss to South Carolina and if Gator fans like to think they're above the Gamecocks. They're really not. When you go back the last 15 years, the, mm-hmm. the record's pretty even, you yeah. know, and 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 so that's that's one. The other one, and I, I don't think it will really go this bad. I think that they will find a way once again to to get to a bowl game, but it's Missouri. 
And I know that they just signed Eli to a new contract up there, and I totally understand that. But there's no way with Texas and Oklahoma coming into the SEC is Missouri going to let Eli Drinkwitz roll his boys out to a 4-8 and eight season and go, well, we're in good shape. They're not. They, they, they don't care. They'll pay the money, and they'll go find somebody else too. I, I cannot imagine that they'll let that go on. Outside of that, I totally agree. I, I, I mean, I guess it can always happen if it really just tanks, but I, I just don't foresee that anywhere else. Yeah, I, look, nothing would surprise me. Um, they disposed of Ron Zook in three years, and you know McElwain made it to, to back-to-back SEC championship games, although, again, I, I, you have to tell the whole story. The East was awful, um, and they fired him in short order. Uh, Dan Mullen went to an SEC championship game and, and nearly beat Alabama in it, and a year and a half later, he's fired. So... Yeah, there's no question. Um, the brass there, they have they have watched themselves fall so far into the abyss that it could happen in two. Now, somebody was talking. Somebody was going so far. It might have been Feinbaum to even talk about the buyout uh, at at Florida, which which I think Billy's is is something. If they fired him after two years, it's like thirty million. But again, what what SEC fan bases are learning. SEC schools don't sweat buyouts. Yeah, I mean, so the well. funniest thing to me about the Will Muschamp thing was people getting bent out of shape about the buyout. Like, you realize, like Auburn spent nearly double to fire Gus Malzahn. Uh, it 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 is it it in this day and age when you're playing with that pool of TV TV money, you don't sit there and go, "Oh my goodness, we had to spend an extra five million on the buyout. Now we can't pay for the charter flight to Kentucky." Like that's that's not the way you. <laughs> You're not in the Mountain West. You're in the SEC. Gas um, up the hog, boys. We're busting right. to, yeah, right. to Austin. Get the old family trucks are going. Um, hey, you know you know as well as I do, though, Mike, uh, the, the, and they still have to do it, but it's not as bad as it used to be on the baseball side. People, people talk about all oh, they talk about is football. Uh, there was a day when you took the bus from Columbia to Baton Rouge to go play and baseball. And done that. Right? Um, been yeah. there, done that, and, and an eight-hour ride to Kentucky, and an eight-hour yeah. ride to Starkville, and a ten-hour ride to Oxford. All of the above, yeah. all of the above, and you still Stuck. do some of that. Like they don't. It's not like they have a. Yeah. You a get one for all a year. Trips. You get one flight a year, though. Yeah, thank, that's right. Thank, 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 actually, it might be coming up. It might be fun. well, maybe one charter flight a year, and then one commercial. And of course, if you fly commercial, then you got to usually drive up to Charlotte, uh, fly an American, which is always an adventure. <laughs> Uh, yeah. just an awful, awful airline. And, uh, and then you fly, you know, into say Fayetteville, uh, or something like that. But yeah, hey, never, my, never my, easy travel in baseball. What one day when we're not previewing the start of the college football season. So we don't sound <laughs> complete, when we don't sound completely tone deaf to what everybody actually wants to talk about. Uh, yeah. I, I'll, I'll have you tell the story of when Tom Price nearly got decapitated by a oh vehicle God. crossing. Oh highway. my God. Mississippi. Yes. <laughs> There's so many stories that I've got on the ready um, but, but for another day, like you said. Uh, but yes, I will tell that story. And it is it is everything you said is a thousand percent true. And there's a bus full of players that can confirm it. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. But Reece, yeah, to continue. That story well. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. He was a, he was a part of that team. But yeah, no, I, I I think the game tonight we'll do picks later on, which I'm excited about. It's always kind of a fun thing to do. We'll yeah. Uh, we'll all four get uh, involved in that one, but um, 
you got a good you got a good couple games out of the box tonight. You've got some really good games over the week when, weekend, and I say cherish it too because week two is always a little bit of a drop off. It's the classic case of uh, um, I don't want to use that expression on a family show, but it's the classic case of maybe using a lot of your ammo in week one. And then week two, it's like there's still some good games, but they're not nearly as as good a slate as as week one. So cherish it, enjoy it, and of course uh, for Gamecock Nation, you clearly have a golden opportunity uh, because you've got a national audience with not much going up against you in a in a game that people are excited about with game day there, um, with name recognition with both quarterbacks, with some additional intrigue. You know, you can sell it as a rivalry game, how much of a rivalry it truly is. I mean, we all know the biggest rival rival is within the state and not across the state line. But for the average person tuning in, they don't know that. And they just they'll, they'll feel like uh, it, it is uh, a, a historically terrific rivalry. Um, and it's <laughs> I hate to put this much on it, guys, but you know it as well as I do. So much of the mood and tone of the fan base is going to depend on what happens in those three and a half hours on Saturday night. You, you you can spin it one way or another. If you win it, it's gonna be heck, we can win anything. Why can't we win the SCC? Why can't why can't we? if you lose it, it's gonna be sky is falling, it's gonna be questions about coordinators, it's gonna be questions about a, a number of different things. So you know, I love that that there, there's that much writing on a week one game. Give it to me every day. My wife said to me the other day, Mike, she said, um Oh well, you know football. We we want to enjoy it with you, but you know it's uh, you you make it um, very you know you're, you're it's intense. You're, you're aggressive about it. I said, well, yeah, that's college football in the South. You know, we we are intense. Did you use that it, tone? And it is your, aggressive, Mrs. Bradford. I go back I in there, make my sandwich. <laughs> oh jeez, <laughs> he clearly does not listen to this show. I want the meatloaf now. She clearly, you 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 are you're making oh, no. a flex, knowing quit, full well she, she's not listening. She quit listening to me when Gil Kirkman fired me for no reason at all. So, uh, <laughs> how's it feel, Gil? Oh. You won, pal. My own wife stopped listening to my show. <laughs> yeah, way to way to go, big man. Way to go, big man. You oh, did it. Oh gosh. Oh man. Uh, no, but, uh, it is to your point, it is intense and it is, uh, aggressive. And, uh, by the way, if, if you've got $7 and you're in the, uh, fine state of Missouri, you can watch the Tigers play host to South Dakota tonight. That'll get you in the door according to their ticket office as low as $7 to watch Missouri Seven football. Bucks. Um, Mike, we'll we'll get more to South Carolina here in just a little bit, but you know, obviously, you mentioned tonight that uh, you got Florida and Utah. This is the third time I've mentioned this in two days. I, I still just cannot believe these two programs that are historically score a ton of points. The over under in the game is forty three and a half. It's it's mind boggling. I do get it. Obviously, Cam Rising situation, and you know, Florida. No matter how much they want to dress it up, Graham Mertz is their starting quarterback. Uh, but elsewhere in the country tonight, uh, you got NC State playing a strange road game at UConn. Uh, I, I'm not exact. Again, yeah. we talked about this the other day. Why? Why? But they are 
Um, that's tonight on the CBS Sports Network at 7.30. You don't just walk into Pratt and Whitney Stadium and get a win over the Huskies. So we'll the get fight to Jim Mora's. Yeah, Jim Mora did a terrific job last year. I, did, I mean, I, I had him in the bowl game, um, which they almost won. But the fact that they took – I mean, they were talking about giving up football during COVID in stores. Remember stores yeah, was trying yeah. to kind of, hey, look at us. We're more well, – we're going to wear this, five masks, and then we're going to – we're not even going to – By the way, some of that's coming back apparently. Yeah, yeah, I know. I saw <laughs> a lady driving around by herself in her car with a mask on. Amazing. Oh, I see it. I see it all the time yeah, here yeah. in Atlanta. I'm like, what are you doing? Hey, you, I, you're going to suffocate yourself. This is somebody morons. Story, story with somebody in a park time. the other day down here. I'm like, what are you yeah. doing? Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, but, 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 but in all seriousness, they were like on the verge of just extinction. And, and yeah, they're for right. him to, to turn it around. So, that's oh, only two touchdown favorites is in. Yeah, no. Hey, doesn't UConn want to get into the ACC in this kind of an opportunity for them to, you know, hey, they might want to, but I don't think the ACC is going to going to punch that ticket. They're too busy taking teams 3000 miles away. Uh, <laughs> so everybody can make an extra four or five million. Oh, they fit right in. I need a friend. That. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, UConn's like, uh, hey. Look, if you can get a date with them, maybe I can just be the third wheel. How about that? Right. I'll just, we'll right. just, we'll just, we'll, we'll kind of be awkwardly watching in the back of the room. Just don't pay any attention. Um, yeah, so that game is tonight. That little brother that your mom forced you to take to the movies is what. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Do I have to? And then you don't let him sit with you. Yeah, that's how my cousins at least used to treat me. Nebraska and Minnesota tonight. Uh, kind of a, another. You know, look, this is a game that. Um, Mike, you, you, I mean, you got Matt Rule here now at Nebraska. I know in our neck of the woods, everybody says, well, they've got Marcus Satterfield. Yeah, but the head coach is Matt Rule. Uh, so let's start there uh, because he's a guy who had tremendous success at Baylor and then things didn't really work out as well as he had hoped in Charlotte. But he's back in a spot. I think he can have success at Nebraska. Nebraska, by the way, hats off to, I think personally, no offense to my brethren's, and the lovely ladies that, that are the Gamecocks, I just don't know if there's a better fan base in the country than Nebraska. They had over 90,000 to watch a volleyball game yesterday in their football stadium. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, so hats off to them, cool. but they got to go to Minnesota tonight. Mike, what do you think about that game? I think it's interesting, uh, and I believe it's like a seven-point spread. You know, the, yeah. the, the, the fighting P.J. Flex are um, – are, it's hard to tell, like – all of a sudden, you've got some former players trying to they're, – they're going all in on P.J. was, I don't know, verbally abusive or what have you. This is this is becoming more and more trendy. Players yeah. upset with his coach or for whatever reason, so he just completely throws them under the bus. And Be then, careful. Yeah. Um, but P.J. Fleck, make no mistake about it, it's a good coach who's done good things everywhere he's been. I thought for sure he would he would land – like an SEC job by now. I thought Tennessee might go after him years ago. He's got like a Bruce Pearl thing about him. I realize that's not for everybody, but if you're if you're struggling as a program and maybe you need a little boost of adrenaline, he's definitely that boost of adrenaline. You know, he's he's like a six pack of of Red Bull every time you talk to him. Uh, and I'm with you. I I look. People say, well, Matt Rule failed miserably in Charlotte. What has gone right in Charlotte in the last decade? 
Okay. I mean, the, yeah. the Panthers have been a poorly run organization with poor hires, poor, just bad on top of bad on top of bad. Um, I don't put all that on Matt rule. I, I don't put all that. on. I mean, what did Matt rule have to work with in terms of personnel in Charlotte? So Matt rule, wherever he coached in college did an outstanding job. And I do think you, you brought up an interesting question, Jamie talking about how many coordinator offensive coordinators have gone from the NFL to college and failed. And you're right that there's not many because, and, and I've, I've, you know, I've been around these guys after they go from the NFL to college and they kind of walk into the room with their chest out. Like I, I know you guys are used to talking to, you know, uh, college coordinators, but you might you might have noticed I've done NFL. Like I, it's a different level. I've I've played the game of chess, but we'll talk some checkers here because this is my job now. There there is something to be said. You learn a lot if you're calling plays at the NFL. The, there there is there is some advantage to that. Um, and for Matt Rule, while it didn't work out in Charlotte, being a head coach at the NFL level and adding that to your resume, I think only helps. So sure. I think Matt, I think Matt Rule will do good things in Nebraska. Now I don't know if Nebraska is wired to ever be a true national championship factor again. My guess is no. My guess is you and I, especially in the Big Ten conference, we are not going to see Nebraska in a national championship again uh, game again in our lifetime. Um, Nebraska fans, forgive me. I hope I'm wrong because I, I I'd like to see a little more. <laughs> Uh, you know, diversity of teams that are playing for the title every year. But I just don't see it. I, I just don't see it. Unlike some programs that have been down, like a Florida State, but I think there's so many inherent advantages that Florida State will not and should not stay down for long. Neither should Southern Cal. Neither should Texas. Um, I don't know if I can say the same about Nebraska because all that tradition is a long time ago and you're still in the middle of nowhere. And on top of that, that move to the Big Ten, while it made a lot of sense financially, I think it set them back personally. And talking to some Nebraska fans that I know, they actually believe that if they, they wanted to go back to the Big 12, you know, tens yeah. of millions of dollars be damned. So, yes, I, I think I think rule will do a good job at Nebraska and they will start winning again. They certainly will outperform Scott Frost, who I don't know what happened. It's like he he went into a. Uh, into a uh, what was that movie, The Fly, where you go into the pod and then you, if there's a fly in there, you go into the other pod and all of a sudden you turn into a fly. Well, he must have gone into a pod with like the dumbest coach in the history of of football, and he morphed into a guy that just forgot how to do anything right, and it was a, a, a disaster. I don't think that'll happen to Matt Rule. I think Matt's going to do good things here. I just don't think they're going to be that legitimate of a contender. Yeah. I... <laughs> It's look, Wisconsin is the team in the West, if you're asking me today. But I, I think you've got a lot to sort throughout the work, the, the program that's going to be, you know, kind of, you know, sucking it dry at the bottom in 2023. It's hard to believe it's going to be anybody but Northwestern uh, with what they've been going through. Um, and then you got Wisconsin at the top. Everybody else in the middle, I'm just not sure what to think uh, with Illinois, Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska, and Purdue. And tonight's game could go a decent ways in kind of helping sort through some of that um i i hope that you are wrong i agree because i i i'm a big fan of nebraska and uh with the big 10 expanding to what it's expanding to i i think that's just going to continue to hurt them but 
NIL is a big deal, and Nebraska has people that care, and um, that could certainly, certainly. And play remember down the road. Remember, guys, they're getting rid of divisions too after this year, right? So, yeah. so like the point I I've made before it. in the SEC, you go eight and four, and you're like, that's a pretty damn good year. And then you look at the overall standings, and you're you finish ninth, ninth, right? So there's no yeah. more like second in the division. You finish ninth. I, I, I by the way, I don't think that that's going to sustain itself. Uh, history is cyclical. We've seen it, and and back when the SEC decided to go to divisions, uh, that was oh boy, this is this is a lot better. I, I just don't. I do not foresee this this big grand conference. The top two teams play each other. I think at one some point in time, one day, they're either going to go to pods because these leagues are going to be so big, or they're going to go back to divisions. Mike, I just don't think this. Well, I'm with you. If, if the expansion continues, yes. Absolutely. You could you the the pod format could be in the play, but it's like the NFL. But I but I think the biggest reason why they wanted to do this is it, it it they did it for different reasons in in basketball, but in football, you had way too many SEC championship games, ACC championship games, Big Ten championship games, where you clearly did not have the top two teams. Yeah. And if you're trying to sell the relevance, and it's going to be harder and harder to sell this with a 12-team playoff. If you're trying to sell the relevance of conference championship games, you can't routinely have the number one team versus the number five team in your title right. game. you got right. to have the top two teams. And the only way to do that is to break it up, is to get rid of East, West, North, South, legends and uh, Peters, whatever. Leaders. Yeah, <laughs> I still never understood that. I because yeah, because it made no sense. It's because it what, made no sense. What was the point? What are you doing? All right, Mike, we got to step aside. Uh, it is uh, time for a timeout. We are painted garnet and black by a couple of painters. Let me paint something. dot com. If you need anything on your property, including animals painted. By the way, speaking of animals, did you have to see the story out of Nebraska? Uh, that guy is now a living legend. If you don't know about it, uh, we'll fill you in. When we return inside the Gamecocks, the show is served by some damn fine whiskey, chicken cock whiskey. Head to our app and click their button, and you can find where I'm to find ready it for my bottle. By the way, it's coming. I'm actually I'm, going I'm to there so today. Ready. Going to see those I'm guys. So uh, it'll, ready. It'll be sent to you here soon. Good stuff. All right, got to hit a timeout. Power hour with Mike Morgan. We'll be right back. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Electric Bikes of Charleston! Electric Bikes of Charleston! Electric Bikes of Charleston! Electric Bikes of Charleston! 
Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Mike Morgan. The uh, great quarterback battle coming up on Saturday night. Hey, hey Dan, Dan, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to call you back. I'll, oh, I'll call you right back. We turned Mike into a uh, Spencer Rattler stand. Is that what happened? <laughs> I don't know who Dan is, but Dan needs to learn yeah. that the show's Dan. over at one. That's enough, Dan. <laughs> We've had enough. <laughs> I hope it was like yeah. a big Dan, like like Dan Aykroyd or you know yeah. Dan Quinn or something like that. You know? Dan Quinn, uh, Dan uh, Dan Quinn. Not a whole lot of people in Atlanta want to talk to Dan Quinn. I know maybe maybe it was Dan Aykroyd. Was it Dan Aykroyd? I wish it was. I'd, I'd like to talk to Dan uh, Donna Dixon, his wife from uh, Bosom Buddies, which featured. Tom Hanks. I'm taking everybody back a ways now. Yeah, that was one of like yeah. the first sitcoms I ever saw as a little kid watching TV. Uh, <laughs> no, it was not Dan Aykroyd either. Uh, oh, okay. This Dan is not remotely famous. It's, it's like, oh no, no, Dan's just coming to fix my sink. It's, uh, he's, yeah. he's, <laughs> it's, just, it's just Dan the handyman. It, it, oh yeah. man, you're getting warm. You're getting warm. <laughs> oh man, uh, Mike, uh, we'll, we will pick some games here in a little bit, and I definitely want to settle in on some North Carolina, South Carolina stuff with you here in just a couple of minutes. But let me let me roll off uh, some of the other headline games this weekend and anything that 
catches your attention. One game that I'll be watching tomorrow night from a bar near you, if you're going to be in Charlotte, I will not tell any of you, by the way, where I will be tomorrow night because I don't want to have to talk to a lot of people the night before the Carolina football game, but I will be there. Uh, it'll be uh, Louisville and Georgia Tech. Louisville's a touchdown favorite in the game, and Mike is being played you know, right down the street from you, the Aflac kickoff game mm -hmm. at Mercedes-Benz Stadium uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. It's a really interesting Aflac kickoff game, but that's what they're playing. So we'll get into that here in just a minute. Something else that caught my attention late tomorrow night at 11 on the CBS Sports Network, you know, Hawaii last week <laughs> surprised some people. Uh, Vandy didn't exactly do what we thought they might do to the Rainbow Warriors. And tomorrow night, they're only three-and-a-half-point dogs in Honolulu against Stanford. Well, I guess it kind of still sucks because they haven't been really that good in the last couple of years. Um, Tennessee's a four-touchdown favorite over Virginia. TCU's a three-touchdown favorite over Colorado this weekend, Mike. Um, Michigan, I'm intrigued by the game, not because I think they'll lose against East Carolina, although underdogs from the state of North Carolina have walked into the big house and won before. Um, but because there are some folks out there that think Michigan might be number one, they might that they think this might be where they come back and finally win another national championship. I'm anxious to see what they look like. Uh, those are all afternoon games tomorrow. Um, you got Ohio State on the road. We've seen them, you know, kind of open up with some struggles in years past in game one. I don't think they'll have any as 30 point favorites at Indiana, but anxious to see what the Buckeyes look like as well. Um, you said a couple of weeks ago, Mike, uh, this is, by the way, just kind of a quick primer, uh, that uh, by the time we get to that, I think it was week five, where eight of the top ten teams are on the road, it will look nothing like that. Could start this weekend if Boise State can find a way to upset Washington in Seattle. That game's being played on Saturday afternoon. You got uh, Hugh Freeze making his Auburn debut against U UMass, who did win last week against New Mexico State, but Auburn's yeah. a five touchdown favorite in that game. Um, and and uh, and finally, before I shut my mouth and let you talk, because this is your hour, not mine. Uh, tomorrow night, you got West Virginia and Penn State. Uh, Penn State is a three touchdown favorite. You mentioned Neil Brown a little while ago. The end of the road could be near for him in Morgantown. And then, of course, we all know that uh, that South Carolina and North Carolina play. Coastal Carolina at UCLA is an intriguing football game. Oh, I think so. Yeah, uh, of the quarterback situation for the Chanticleers, but uh, so all it, factors, twenty seventh year. Yeah, there are some interesting. I, I know it's not like that that slate of ten like top twenty five games that everybody wants to see on the opening weekend. I understand that, but there are some interesting storylines this weekend outside of the obvious. Yeah, no, I, you hit on on some interesting ones. I think the Coastal UCLA game is is interesting um remember now it's a new era now uh right. and, the, and the coaching staff and i think mccall who has flirted with the portal now for a couple of years i think mccall wants to prove that for the next level it wasn't the offense that is the reason why he's put up some insane numbers a couple of years ago mccall might have might have broken um Mac Jones's record of Alabama for like the most efficient year and for a quarterback in college football, like he 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 did some really good things. But some people, when you have, I don't want to say a gimmicky offense, I hate that term, but <laughs> it unique offense, and uh, a lot of people are like, well, is he really that good? 
So he wants to show, yeah, I can I can excel in any offense, and yes, I can perform at the next level and win. Well, this would be a great test to do that right off the bat. UCLA on the road, uh, show what you can do away from the teal turf. Uh, I, I hey I like that game for sure. You want to know how many people have been talking about UCLA? Fourteen. Nobody. Yeah. <laughs> now they've gotten every, they've gotten better. Every year under Chip Kelly. They won nine games last year, Mike. They had a chance to win 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lost the bowl game. That Nobody's talking about them. It's Southern Cal and Oregon, Washington. Right. Washington, yeah. Everybody else. Utah. Utah and UCLA yeah. sitting here going, well, all right, that sounds good. Um, and by the way, by the way, at Utah, at Oregon State, top 20 team, and then they got to go on the road and play Southern Cal cross town. That that's enough. That's enough to make some road, big you know, big road wins, statement wins. That's enough to turn some heads. So we'll see. Well, they lost DTR. We're talking about UCLA now. They yeah. they lost. Yeah. Th- that was their signature uh, player at, at quarterback. But you got Chip. He's he's you, plug and play. Next guy he, up. Let's go. You know, look. I think Chip has done a he's done a, as good a job as anybody else has in that job in a in a long time. <clears throat> long time. I mean, UCLA. You could make the argument. It's not. It, I mean, it's almost in the Nebraska category. Although UCLA hasn't even been relevant as recently as Nebraska. Like they've been good, but they've never been able to really be true national title contenders. Uh, no matter who they've hired uh, coach at that job, and and you know, talking to people. <clears throat> who are very familiar with that program, including including alums. The problem, the the biggest complaint upon high was always, yeah, we don't spend the money. Like we are just insanely cheap, and we don't spend the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, from what I've been told, they all of a sudden they're spending more money. But you can spend all the money in the world; it doesn't change the fact that when your stadium is half empty for big games and two thirds empty for less than big games. That's a problem. I mean, apathy yeah. just speaks. And so and you're not the only Southern Cal program, as we know. Uh, and, and you just, you don't, what do you have to hang your hat on? So I think it's a d- more difficult job than people think. And I think Chip Kelly, who I, uh, look, I think Chip Kelly, uh, history will be kinder to Chip Kelly on multiple fronts than maybe a lot of people think now. Chip Kelly did an outstanding job at Oregon. And he wasn't that bad of a coach in the NFL. He had a, a one player in LaShawn McCoy who sold him down the river, and I think a lot of people bought into that uh, that narrative. But Chip wasn't awful. There's a lot of college coaches that went to the NFL that were truly worse than Chip Kelly ever was. But Chip is back. Now, I think he took the wrong job. I, I, I Chip could have had the Florida job. He could have had a number of jobs of programs that have more going it. for them than UCLA. He might but end he, up in Florida. Well, he could. Yeah, he certainly could. Um, you know, Scott Frost turned that job down too. I, I think. I, I yeah, thankfully for the Gators, I think Chip Kelly at Florida would be scary. Could be. I mean, the thing is, I don't know how old Chip is, but you start. You know, you have that window of time, and then. And then all of a sudden, your stock starts to fall, and then it's like, okay, is that going to be the home run hire that? Your fans are going to demand at that point to, to use JC's expression, the caged animal syndrome. Um, that would certainly be in play in Gainesville if if uh, Billy Napier does not does not work out. But look, I think Chip Kelly is a good coach. I think I just think that he's 
he's got to be in the right situation. And I don't know if UCLA is the right situation for, for him or anybody else at this point. The situation for South Carolina is coming up on Saturday night, Mike. Uh, the Gamecocks and the Tar Heels, we've talked this game to death. It's time hmm. to finally play this thing. But, um, you know, we, we did speak with Perry Worth earlier today, and, you know, it's it kind of in a similar uh, – so, kind of the similar same conversation we've continued to have the the stage and the spotlight and the opportunity are really all there collectively together on Saturday evening for a lot of good things to happen for this South Carolina program and of course for North Carolina as well um but you know the Gamecocks just a couple of years ago it, it just seemed it seemed like 1999 all over again you know uh, even though they actually did not go defeated the entire time but but people would Mike you know in the final year of Will Muschamp of course there's a lot of stuff going on with COVID and and you remember where kind of America was in the summer of 2020 it was just really a a dumpster fire of 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 if you go back and look at it that was a dumpster fire of a football program what was going on in Columbia it was awful and Shane comes in and restores hope and it's really it's it's hard to even think about this. Like think, stop for a second, think. Twenty twenty one, they open on the SEC Network Plus. No, they open on ESPN Plus against Eastern Illinois. Twenty twenty three, they're opening with College Game Day in Charlotte, just outside of the top twenty five, with a guy named Spencer Rattler. Is their quarterback, Mike. College football changes a lot quicker than it used to change, and South Carolina is one of those examples. Yeah, I don't think anybody's questioning that higher now, are they? <clears throat> um, and I get it. Like, if you lose week one, then then everybody will be out for blood. That's just the nature of the beast, not just in South Carolina, but programs across the country. But what Shane has done in a short amount of time, I don't want to say it's miraculous, but it's pretty damn close. Um, the you're right. It was not the handoff from Will to Shane was not one uh, equipped to succeed right away. It just was not. And there were all these question marks. Well, he hasn't been a coordinator. He hasn't done this. He hasn't done that. And if you heard the interview that we had with Shane on, on JC and Morgan, whatever it was a month ago or so, I mean, he actually talked about how some of that worked to his advantage. Um, he's been able to be integral and and a part of offense, defense, special teams, associate head coach, wherever he has been, and you're talking about some pretty marquee programs when you do it at Oklahoma and Georgia, et cetera, et cetera, not to mention his time, which was one of the best times in the history of the South Carolina program. So all of that he's put to work. And that coupled with, and you can't underestimate this in today's day and age of college football, Shane has personality, likability, swag he has all of the above and it's natural it's not forced that i really think is something that that job required you don't have to have that necessarily at alabama nick saban doesn't have to have all that nick saban's going to go down as the greatest sport in the history the greatest coach in the history of the sport but i do believe carolina needed all those things in their next hire and quite frankly a lot of bigger names did not check those boxes not to mention 
when you got a guy who's hungry and so thankful for the opportunity that maybe wasn't afforded to him by others, that's invaluable because it, it there, there's, I mean, you're already motivated. It's obvious for obvious reasons, but I think there's just a little extra something in the belly of a guy in that spot. So uh, he's done incredible things, but as we all know, it, it is a year-to-year evaluation when you are a, a head football coach in college football, and this is going to be a year, uh, once again, where it can go a, a number of different ways. I mean, I look at that schedule, and I see some games that are going to be wins. I see a couple that I think, barring something pretty creative, are going to be losses. And then I see those oh-important swing games. And there's a lot of them. A lot of them. So, it all starts with Saturday. That's swing game number one. Kentucky's a swing game. Florida's a swing game. Yeah. Um, Arkansas, right? No. Mississippi no, State. No. I'm sorry. Mississippi, Mississippi State, State and yeah, Missouri. And Missouri on the yeah. road. Gosh, I hate to call Missouri a swing game, but it is. I mean, it is. You're, you're They've lost right. four in a row. I know. I know. They have I to know. beat them. Look, Missouri, and, and Missouri came closer than anybody to beating Georgia last year. Like, there's exactly. just something weird about playing Missouri. It's it's the ultimate trap game. I don't care where it is on the schedule. I don't care who you are. Missouri is the ultimate trap game for so many unique reasons. Um, but to you go know, back, Mike. Yeah. You, you should, one day we need to we need to do a, um, a, a a special segment here. If I polled, regardless, out we know how good Alabama and Georgia are every year. If I polled every other fan base in the league and said, "Hey, look, we're going to remove Alabama from the SEC," is is or Georgia, as much as they go in and beat the brains out of all of our programs, we go, "No, no, 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 don't do that." that, that that's no. If we said we're going to remove Arkansas, doesn't matter whoever. You're all every there's going to be a large portion, not the small minority of, of people. Are, Good, I hate them rednecks, not those idiots. Now I'm talking about the large majority of people with a brain are going to go, "No, no, no, you're messing with the SEC." But if you pull every fan base in the Southeastern Conference and say, "Hey, look, we're going to remove Missouri." They're like Hallelujah! Why were they here in the first place? You know, like nobody likes them. Nobody wants them in here. All they do is ruin people's years. Everybody hates them. Geographically, they don't fit. And nobody likes Eli. So there you go. (laughs) Uh, I got nothing against Eli. He's different. He's different. Um, I actually think he's pretty funny. I mean, he's a little dude, but I think. Yeah, no, he's dark. You know, you know who his idol was growing up. Probably Steve. I would imagine. Yeah. That's why he wears the visor. I remember asking him specifically. I said, (laughs) his first year is like, you kind of remind me a little bit of Steve. And you actually do wear a visor. He's like, well, Mike, that was that was my guy growing up. That's who I wanted to be. Nah. So he's he's got that spurrier snark. Kudos, kudos. But without the wins to, to necessarily go along with it. Uh, by the way, the other game that I was um, trying to muster up was A and M. I mean, I think A and M could be a swing game as well. I mean, they'll yeah. be an underdog on the road in College Station, no doubt. But I think who who knows who knows where the harley's going to be by that time mike yeah i mean we, we don't know for sure but i I'm talking about halloween weekend anything can happen with anything Bobby can happen Jimbo. well look i've said this before real empty with only 60,000 people in it. jimbo's jimbo's a lot of things but he's not stupid and if he's if he's smart 
he'll let Bobby like you you put your ego and you stash it over there in the corner and you say, Bobby, you call the plays. I'm not yeah. going to interfere with that. Because Bobby, for all of his flaws, the man is one of the best offensive play callers in college football that I've seen, period. So you cannot – you don't bring him in to just collaborate. That makes no sense whatsoever. You bring in Bobby Petrino because you want him to call your plays, period. Yeah. Well, Dow Loggins will call the plays for South Carolina tomorrow night. Mike, we're going to pick that game here. Or are we picking that game? Is that one of our Fab Five against the spread games well, we're going to pick? No, because I mean that would be too easy to just pick that every week. And and okay, no, I, I have a I have a strange sensation that on this show, uh, just about every week, Carolina is going to be picked. Yes. So, so, but they're it. But every week, <laughs> but every week as part of the five, there will be a Gamecock prop which okay. I will come up with as well, which was number five on the list. Okay, so we're going to hit a... You, you, you're, you're on that channel. Yeah, I, I, I did, but you know the, the little project I was working on earlier. My, you my, got a my lot of stuff going on. on. I understand, I understand. <laughs> I, was like, I was sitting here earlier thinking, what am I doing? Why Why? Why am I doing this? But You're you're the hardest working well, man in one, showbiz. One day we'll figure that out. One day we'll find that answer. Sandwich! I said, uh, Carrie, I want my sandwich. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, we gotta hit a uh, work. Wow, uh, we gotta hit a... get away with this. With that, I'm telling you right now. <laughs> that's why. That's why my office is on the third floor. That's right. That's right. Uh, we gotta hit a. Uh, <laughs> gotta hit a timeout. How's that couch feel? Well, I you know, I have one of those. I have one in my office. That's why I have a TV that hangs on the wall. So there you go. Uh, and, a, and a little window that I can, you know, pee out pee out of in the middle of the night if I'm not allowed downstairs. So that's 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 always good too. All right, we are served by Chicken Cock Whiskey. Make sure you head to the app if you haven't downloaded the app. You're oh oh I don't know one month. It's been out for a month, so you're a month behind. Figure it out. The Chicken Cock Challenge is right there on the homepage when you download it. Power Hour with Mike Morgan, proudly presented by Palmetto Medicare. We'll tell you more about that, and we'll get into Mike's Fab Five as we round out. And up the final day of August here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down in Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how bourbon whiskey uh, got its name. And chicken cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. 
But at the Barn Doe Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy installation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. Hey everybody, this is Mo Copper from Carolina Football. The show is painted garden and black every day by a couple of painters. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com to check them out. Go Cox. 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. We're so close. 831. 831. The final day of August. The steamer that has been the summer is almost done. And we're this morning was beautiful outside. The high in Charlotte on Saturday uh, is 83 degrees. Sunny, beautiful. The low, 60 degrees. Wow. Perfect. What a way. What a way to start the college football season if you're headed to the game safe travels jc is already up there all right mike uh power hour here presented by palmetto medicare and our friend brian spencer and then you are probably going to begin a string of 12 consecutive weeks where you whip phil jc and i against the spread well i don't know about all that now so i always make a, a point of uh saying that these are not like five games that we're picking so we, we could have done it that way too or i picked the five games you everybody picks the five games they have the best feeling about but nobody wants to see like okay is, is north texas going to cover the 20 and a half so i just tried to pick five of the most marquee games or in this case four plus the prop bet on the gamecocks so we've got for the fab five challenge week one we've got utah florida tonight lsu florida state that's a sunday tilt then i had to get a little bit I don't want to say desperate, but Tennessee, Virginia. Okay. And TCU versus the fighting Deion Sanders. 
Uh, Utah, four and a half favorite. LSU, two and a half. Tennessee, 28. TCU, 20 and a half. And then for the fifth pick, over under Spencer Rattler passing yards, 297 and a half. That's a great number. All right, where are we? What are we? What are we starting with here? Which one are we starting? That's with? really up to Phil. Wow! Oh, Mad Dog's in charge. Hey, that's right. That's, that's right. I mean, you know, not just a pretty face on the screen. He's <laughs> going. Utah, four and a half. He's there going go. with the SEC Pac-12. All right. Uh, so I'll, I'll I'll start it off uh, this round, and I'll I'll say if Cam Rising was playing this game, oh. uh, Utah would would be the pick for me, bar none. And it, uh, but it wouldn't be four and a half. It'd be probably more. not, but I mean, definitely not. But it, it, I don't know if it would go up that much because they they've listed him as questionable for a while. They finally right. came out this week. I know nobody was really buying it, right? But <laughs> you had to at least respect the fact that maybe you just maybe this kid, maybe he really was healing up that quickly. But you know, maybe it's maybe it's seven if he's in the game. I I don't know, but. I'm taking Florida plus the points. Ooh. Oh. Plus the points because I don't know anything about Utah's backup quarterback. Uh, I think Florida will, will keep it close enough where even if they lose the game, they still cover. So I'll take the Gators on that one. Uh, I think when you look at this matchup from last year, so much was made about heat and humidity and the effects of that on the Utah players. And I don't think it gets stated enough that you have a similar situation here with altitude when it comes Mm -hmm. to the Florida guys heading into Utah. Mm -hmm. So I think Utah outlaps Florida and covers this four and a half because Mm -hmm. Florida just gets gassed in the fourth quarter. 100%. No doubt about it. Elevation matters. Utah covers. Okay. I don't have to say like anything it. more. That's I, I, like, I like the weather factor there. All right. LSU minus two and a half against Florida State. Keep in mind, by the way, Missouri lost at Wyoming a few years ago. I remember that well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Elevation matters. All right. Um, what was, I'm sorry. What, where LSU are we? LSU minus two and a half. Tigers, Seminole. Uh, I'll lead off with that. I think LSU covers. Um, I, uh, I I know that they've got some they're banged up and they've got some issues in the running back department, but I just think overall they're the better football team. And I don't know that a whole lot more needs to be said than that. So I'm going with the Tigers. Phil? I concur. <laughs> I, I really think that this is going to be more than that. I think LSU covers handily. I'll make it unanimous, but I'll tell you this uh the loss of Mason Smith for LSU on a ridiculous suspension by the NCAA, who just continues to be uh, less and less powerful, but the power they do have, they still seem to use in the wrong ways. That is a bit of a blow. Um, Florida State has a quarterback that is more than capable. They've got the athletes now. They've got the confidence. They're starting to uh, rise as a program. They're trending in the right direction, but I will take LSU to win the game. So that one would be, Unanimous. Volunteers minus 28 against Virginia and second-year coach Tony Elliott. Phil, you lead off. Right. That's, that's strange. What a line. And it's not even – this is a neutral site game. Uh, but, 
you know what? I, I like Tennessee to cover here. I think they they want to come out guns blazing and it'll pay off. I will take Tennessee as well. Virginia last year was beyond a dumpster fire, and I don't know if if one off season is going to be enough to repair the damage. Uh, and my guess is they're going to Josh Heupel and company are going to take the opportunity to make this a Joe Milton coming out party, if you will, to pick up uh, with the momentum he got when he got the MVP of the Orange Bowl against the Clemson Tigers. I will take Tennessee. Yeah, I'm um, I'm going with Tennessee as well. I I I think it's going to be around there. I don't think it's going to be like fifty six to nothing or anything like that. I, I I have enough faith in Tony Elliott that they will be a little bit better, but they're still bad. They're still bad, and it's a terrible matchup in Nashville for them to open the season. Just a terrible matchup. Yeah, so I, I think Tennessee will cover. Yes. Uh, TCU minus 20 and a half against the fighting primes of Boulder, Colorado. I'm going TCU here. I, with all the hype and the hoopla around Dion, it's still a bad roster. Um, it's not like Dion's going to be out there covering anybody, nor is he going to be calling plays for that matter, but he'll look good on the sideline. And that's (laughs) not a big enough factor for me. I'm, I'm going TCU. It's 20 and a half, right? 20 and yeah. a half. Yeah, three touchdowns. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I've wrestled with this one, and it's not, it's it, it really doesn't have anything to do, Mike, with with Colorado. Uh I, I don't think that they're that good, to be honest with you. I, I just I'm wondering about where TCU is going to be in week one following what they lost last year. If that and no Max Duggan anymore. I mean, it's it's a it is a new era. Yeah, and I I feel like there's a couple of things kind of all you know pulling here. First of all, TCU at twenty and a half. That's one thing. The over under at sixty three and a half. That's another. You know that says that they expect a lot of points. Duh. Uh, you've also got the Dion fact. The, the factor for Dion is that he has a football team that is really excited to go play football. And I think that there is something to that where something strange could happen. So I, I think it's going to – I'm actually going to take Colorado to cover it. Okay. Um, but, like, not by much. Like, a half a point or a point. But I do think that they will – they'll kind of maybe backdoor this thing, 40-20 to 20 type ball game, something like that. Yeah, I agree. I think Colorado covers – the 20 and a half, but I think Colorado just does not have enough depth anywhere this year <laughs> that they're going to do very well at all. Not, right, not so going to we'll, be a good season up there. So yeah. we disagreed on two of the four. Uh, the We were unanimous on LSU, Tennessee. We differed on Utah, Florida, TCU, Colorado. And now the fifth one, again, every time the Gamecocks are playing, this will be a prop something I used to do back in the old uh, Columbia show over under, this is not an official Vegas line. These are just numbers I'm pulling out of my, you know what uh, over under Spencer Rattler passing yards, 297 and a half, 297 I'm and a half. Yeah. I'm over, I'm over. And I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm over uh, by a decent number. I think he's okay. at least 30 or 40 yards ahead of that. Yeah. Phil. 
Yeah, I'm so close there, Mike. I don't like this 297 and a half. Yeah, that's what I want. That's what I want. That's what I came up with the right number. Uh, Under. (laughs) I am going under as well. Oh. And I think that would bode well for the Gamecocks. I think I think Carolina can run on the Tar Heels. And with that, that would take a little uh, pressure off the passing game. I, I, I expect I, – I know it's, it's maybe more of a committee this year than kind of a bell cow in the backfield, but I, I, think, I think the Gamecocks will, will tally over 100 on the ground, which means you won't need Spencer Rattler throwing for 330. Uh, so I'll take the under on that, just uh, just a stab in the dark. Uh, okay, and then the tiebreaker, of course, over under uh, chin ups by Brian Spencer in his CrossFit class today. Uh, no, just kidding. Um, <laughs> what's that? What's that at? Fourteen and a half, or is it like? I don't know. I'm sure if he's listening, I'm sure if he's listening, he'll hit us up in the comment box and go. Actually, I did thirty seven last week. I'll have you guys know. Have you ever uh, seen? Uh, have you ever seen Sergeant Bilko? The the big toe? Oh no no no! That's that's Sergeant Holka. Sergeant Bilko was Steve Martin. No no, um, I never saw that. Yeah. He's got his he, he's he's the Army General and he's got his big three hundred twenty pound just slob trying to do one push up one. Just give me one. <laughs> give me one. <laughs> you got to see. That's a great great movie. Very under the radar and very underrated. We'll, we'll see know. if we can put that on the five and dime segment on JC and Morgan. Uh, and I do, in all seriousness, just want to mention again, Brian Spencer, proud sponsor of the Power Hour. Brian Spencer, palmetto-medicare.com. For those of you that don't see it on your screen, phone number is 803-960-9484. Help Brian, uh, or Brian will help you, I should say. You can help Brian with a lot of things. He could probably use helping a number of areas, but not on this one. This is where he helps people and has been doing so since 2005. Help cover as much of the Medicare costs as possible with a plan designed for you, your family, your loved ones. 803-960-9484. No one I would trust more with these type of uh, key decisions than uh, Brian Spencer. And again, doesn't cost you anything to give him a shout and check out what he can do for you. 803-960-9484. Brian Spencer of Palmetto Medicare. Yeah, a very valuable part of this state. My wife is in palliative care as a nurse practitioner, and I know just how important he is, as a matter of fact, to to what they do. So certainly appreciate Brian and what he does for us. Mike, we kept eight minutes a little bit too long today, but it was all worth it. Always uh, fun, guys. We'll sort now who's sorting so JC he 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 bugged out on us, so he's he's disqualified from winning any type of championship at the end. We'll of the get season. his picks. We'll track him down. We'll put him on That's the spot. Saying, yeah, we'll we'll, okay. we'll nail him down tomorrow. We'll nail him down tomorrow. We got yeah, oh, we're nailed down today for the Utah Florida game. So you, you can't, well, yeah, let, him, you know, can't yeah. let him pass on that, but we'll 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 lock him down. I look forward to seeing everybody tomorrow in Charlotte once we uh, once we get up there. Mike. Have a wonderful weekend tonight. It's five nights of college football, man. It's love be it. a lot of fun. Love it, love it, love it. Everybody enjoy, and I look forward to catching up with you guys again next week. Always. Thank you. There you go. The great golden tones of Mike Morgan with ESPN and the SEC Network and pretty much everybody and everything in between. Whew. We are out of time, finally. This show was just jam-packed. <laughs> yeah. Ten minutes. Ten minutes. Ten minutes. Woo! 
One more program tomorrow before we hit the road for Charlotte for what ESPN has dubbed the Battle of the Carolinas. I dub it as South Carolina is looking to go 9-3 and three in their last 12 games against North Carolina. Not sure how much of a battle that is. Let's yeah. see lose. Prize a little bit closer. Picking the Gamecocks tomorrow. <laughs> if you are going to be tailgating this weekend, there's nothing better to tailgate with if you're a vodka guy or gal than Dixie Vodka. It's better than Tito's. You heard it here first. It's not an opinion. It's a fact. Born and raised in the great state of South Carolina. And more importantly, in the beautiful town of Charleston, South Carolina. Dixie Vodka is the proud presenter of the Chief Sports Network. Make sure you've downloaded the app. Speaking of the great state of South Carolina, happy National South Carolina Day to all my fellow South Carolinians. God bless all of you. Be safe and have fun. Pour yourselves a glass of chicken cock bourbon and participate in the chicken cock challenge on our app. For Phil and JC and Mike, Chris, and Perry, there was a lot of us today. Tomorrow, preview program here on Inside the Gamecocks. Michael Flint will join us. Patrick Davis will join us tomorrow as well at the end of our show. And we will send you off and on the road to the Queen City. Until then, we'll see you then.